You ready? I'm ready. Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Airstreamers podcast. My name's Elias. And my name is Chris. And we're here. We're queer. Now give me my entertainment. All right, folks, we are back with our third episode of season two. And we unfortunately had to take a tiny little bit of a break in between episodes two and three because we dealt with a lot of, I was going to say shit, and I'm going to say it, shit. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. I mean, animals, that's, isn't that part of global warming that animals make a lot of poop? (laughs) And I feel like we in this house are exhibit A, B, and C for crap. Exactly. Lots and lots of crap. Uh, but all is well now, and if you aren't familiar with the story, uh, it, it's uh, you can find it on our uh, Twitch stream or our Muskrat Nation page on Instagram. Uh, bottom line, everyone was just a little bit upset because you know why? Me and Chris were playing Nintendo Switch Sports. Well, I mean, obviously. It's like when you get really... I don't know if they knew how to root for one of us versus the other because so, they equally love us. But it just so completely... Just because if like you love teams both teams equally and then they're battling you're just going to be pissed no matter what so speaking of do you know that in greece one of the most uh common reasons that people fight is because they are on opposing well yes but the reason they get uh, aggressed what's the word Mm -hmm. is because uh (laughs) They are on opposing teams. They're the main teams. There's will, two main teams. I, I'll never understand Chris, that. Chris, when I tell you. I'll never understand it. There's the green team and there's the red team. The green team is Panathinaikos. The red team is Olympiakos. And That's the same name. Uh, Panathinaikos and Olympiakos. They are different. Okay. I mean, those. I mean, if any, if anyone who's Greek is listening, and you just heard me say that, I'm sorry that your ears are bleeding now. <laughs> uh, but they are on opposing teams, or rather, if you find out that your like, I don't know, friend is suddenly on the opposing team, it forget. There's no more friendship. There are parts of Athens where if like. It's a game night or something. You are not allowed to go with the representation of the colors of your team because you will get beat up because you just exist as an opposing force to someone else. Just yeah. because no. two humans are playing on the field trying to kick a ball into a net. We're we're broken uh, set of animals. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, terrible. Uh-huh. It's terrible. I think... The cats got it right in just pooping all over the place because I feel like they're more civilized than humans. I agree. Because you know why? All the cats want to do is cuddle, eat, and poop, Mm -hmm. which is a far cry from fighting, eating, and pooping. Yeah. So I agree that the cats uh, have it much better than us humans. We are absolutely broken. Um, So we have some entertainment to talk about this week. Uh, we, well, these two weeks, I guess we have promised y'all that we're going to be talking about Elden Ring and let me tell you, we're not. Wait, did you beat it yet? No, I didn't beat it. Oh, I am mad at Elden Ring 
right now because of the fact that it has taken me uh, 90 hours, I want to say, of gameplay to get to the point where I'm at, which is the final boss. Now, I, I'm saying final boss, but like typically speaking in these games, there's more than that. But like the credits will roll. And you know, well, my goal yeah, is that. It's like you can continue the story afterwards. Right. It's but like you- Zelda is saved, but then like. There's still the whole world out there. You still have to go to your day job as as Link. Uh-huh. You still have to pay your bills. You're still going to have to mow the lawn. And somebody's got to be the groundskeeper at Hyrule Castle. And so after Zelda's saved, yeah, fine, great. But responsibilities never end. And that is the plight of human existence. In addition to fighting against your rival sports team. Exactly. And you couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself, which is exactly the part where I'm at in uh, Elden Ring, where I am at the point where I will have completed my duties as like the citizen of, uh, I don't even know the name of the world, which is insane. I'm drawing a blank. Elden Ring. No. Um, Elden Land. The, th- what is it? The th- promised lands or something? The land between. That's what it is. The lands between, something like that. Oh, anyway, that's lame, I mean, all the funding that they had and that's what they came up with. Well, because you are a lost soul that needs to get back to some sort of like, I don't know. I, look, here's my point. 90 hours in, I don't know what I've done. What, uh, aside from the actions I've taken, I don't know what has transpired in the story. So okay, that is also a life lesson because I'm 39 years in and I don't know what I've done yet. <laughs> but you do, but you can recall your actions. There's something to be said about that. It's interesting. Uh, and listen, this is all that we're going to say about El- Elden Ring. I- I'm mad. I'm mad at it because I feel like 90 hours in, I should have had the, the not luxury, what's the word? Like the joy of saying, I the beat Elden Ring. The satisfaction of saying, but I beat Elden can't Ring. Can't you just put it on easy mode or something and then just ask the computer to beat it for you so that you can check the box? Clearly, you don't know anything about Elden Ring because I never spoke about it on this podcast for you and your ear holes, plus the ear holes of all the millions of listeners listening to learn about what Elden Ring is. And Well, the in- million of listeners all... All million of them, I think, have given a five-star rating on the podcast. And, you know, so many of them did it without even uh, writing a review, which is exactly, like, totally fine. All that it takes is click the little five-star button, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, And they they are the accomplished ones mm -hmm. because they've done the right thing. Mm -hmm. And only five stars. There's Mm -hmm. nothing below that. No. Uh, So, in Elden Ring, there is no such thing as easy mode, which is another maybe allegory to life because the developer said this is our world if you can't play by these rules you don't belong in the sandbox Mm. and so that becomes an issue for people because there are lots of accessibility uh conversations happening right now with regards to difficulty with regards to controls with regards to button pushes physical ailments that people might have that prevent you from being able to press buttons um people who might not have the physical prowess to press the buttons if they can or so on and so forth and so people feel like it should have an easy mode And it does not. Other people feel this is just what the developer wants and you either do it or don't and that's it. And 
I'm Com- torn. I don't know. I what- agree. I'm always back and forth on it. No matter what, I'm back and forth on it. Although, tell I, me why you think you should. Because have that. that's their uh, I, okay. Why I think that they should just stick to their guns and release the game as they. I see meant the it. other one, but yes, do that one. I think because it's their creative freedom, and this is the vision that they had for the game, and they're not going to compromise that. And I feel like difficulty is so closely associated with. Elden Ring or any of those whatever dart dart demon souls. The name has be, has uh, taken uh, what's the word like it's become known as Souls Born games. Yeah. So any any Souls Born game. Yeah. So I feel like then by creating an easy mode, they almost what they should do is if you can certify your disability with them through a system. Then it enables easy mode and everybody else just gets shit on. So like a government handout. (laughs) Not a handout. If you can establish a medical condition where you require an easy mode. So like. So that they can still play the game. So universal health care. Yeah, I get. I, I mean, think you're dipping into interesting and dangerous <laughs> yes, territories. Definitely, here. that is a slippery slope. Very but slippery. I first of all, I wouldn't trust a, a game developer with my medical history. But however, think about what you're saying here. Even like with COVID vaccinations and stuff, and people buying cards to like fake their COVID vaccination. For oh. something as real as that. Yeah. Now, you're not telling me that people are just going to, pre- you know, email Elden Ring at eldenring.com and be like, I'm, I need easy mode and this is why I need easy <laughs> mode. Like, I mean, come on. Okay, so now what's the argument against that? Having it I be more accessible. Having it be more accessible is, is obvious. I think that Microsoft, especially, and I knew this mostly through you, that they're very... Uh, they're very good about inclusivity and creating hardware and games that allow people with accessibility issues to play games and have a good time. And I honestly, I think it's remarkable what people can do and how people can adapt. I mean, when I look at the controller that they released, that is like the uh, accessibility controller and there's like straws where people can blow in and buttons and pedals yeah, and all of that stuff as if you can get creative enough to it's come crazy. up with like the circuit press i can't even i don't know? i mean i i i can't even like distinguish between a and b on an xbox versus a, on a switch it's like it's broken to me you know it's interesting though you're saying that and that's that's sort of inherently the problem that Nintendo tried to solve with the Wii. Now, we're getting a little bit off track to what I wanted to say, but I love this line of thinking. The Wii, if you remember, had the most atypical controller of all the consoles that has ever come out because it looked not like a game controller, but like a TV remote. Yeah. And Nintendo's argument was everybody knows how to pick up a TV remote, point it at the TV, and have the buttons connect to the tv right do something to the tv uh yeah but i would argue that's <laughs> i mean not everybody but okay i mean a significant amount more population than than uh people holding a game controller sure okay. if i put a game controller in front of my everybody yeah. is a very uh like strong statement chris do you know that i'm gay do you know that one of the highest sort of qualities uh, here, of a gay I'm man and now give me my entertainment is the drama yeah, yeah uh-huh uh-huh 
So I'm being dramatic and saying everybody, but if I if I use my grandma as a litmus test, if I put a TV remote in front of her, literally living in the jungle, not jungle, the mountains, again, dramatic, but in this case for real, uh, and I put a game controller in her hands, she would have no idea what to do with the game, game controller. She would know what to do with the TV remote. If I put a Wii controller in her hand, she would know what to do with the Wii remote. Yeah. Loosely. I'm not saying she'll know like exactly what to do, but I'm saying she will understand what's happening. And that was what Nintendo tried but to do. But would she know how to set up the sensor bar? <laughs> that's, another, that's another you know she what she would it do in the box and she's like what is this it's like a big chopstick with a, <laughs> with a cable coming out of it she would do that trick with the lights do you remember that which i still do not understand how that worked what the candles the candles yeah, yeah you could put yeah. two candles on the left side and right side of your uh of your tv and it would it would allow the Wii sensor to fully work, which I never understood. Then my question becomes this, you know, the sensor bar, is it being plugged in just to power a light emission? Yeah. Uh, we had a sensor bar that was a wireless one that you just had a battery in it. Remember? Cause we bought another sensor bar. Oh my God. I drew, I forgot about all of that. You're right. So literally the candles no, were acting no data as going in from the sensor bar. That's why I think I had a hard time picking that up when I was younger. It's like just triangulating it. I yeah. Think. Yeah. You're totally right. Because one candle wouldn't work. If you put two, oh, you then it knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then your house, it's yeah. more likely your house will burn down. That's really what. And right. then your, your wee three burns is, down. Three's a crowd. <laughs> yeah. But their goal was more wees burned, more we sold. That's true. That's the line. And that's how it got to top sales. I mean, it was just burning yeah. them down. Now, I'm going to bra- backtrack a little. The reason I bring the we up is I'm because glad we always have an agenda on this podcast. <laughs> I have like 25 things I didn't get to <laughs> is because I am bringing it up because you mentioned accessibility and ease of use and stuff. And the we up until like a little bit ago, up until like a month ago, the we was the number one sold console of all time. And we sports connecting the dots here was the most popular game for, I think of all time up until recently. And it's because we all have the ability, assuming you can hold the Wii controller, to do the action of swinging your arm in tennis or to do the action of bowling, right? And therein lies the argument that more accessibility allows for more people to play your stuff, which ultimately allows for more happy people in the world. Yeah, and more dollars in the pocket. Yeah, but, but here's... I mean, but again... Just to look from the other perspective that dollars in the pocket maybe isn't always the goal and that the goal is to have some creative outlet for a a certain type of game. Also any hole. Yeah, exactly. And so I think you can argue either way. Which is crazy because I'm normally someone who is super opinionated and, and my gut knows what my feelings are. Like, I know when I talk about certain things, I feel a way. I think of this problem, or it's the wrong word, not a problem. I think of this discussion, and I do not have an immediate gut reaction. Yeah, you need a ruminated gut. I know. My ruminated gut needs to tell me, I've been ruminating for quite some time now, (laughs) and I feel like it's time for my ruminated gut to tell me It'll, what to it'll feel. come when it when when it wants. It just you can't rush the rumination. Because, but for me, 
one last thing I want to say, because I do want to move on, is that I feel I want everybody to experience everything because it's joyful. There's so much joy that video games can bring you. But you know what? I, I think it's okay that everybody doesn't experience everything because it's like you're just going to have a natural draw to some interest in certain things. And so people with disabilities maybe just don't have an interest in this. There's certainly a population that would have an interest and would like to play it. But it's okay that not everybody is playing everything or doing everything. I feel like sports are super boring and I wouldn't want them to change the game so that there's sword fighting in the middle of <laughs> basketball just because maybe it's a little more entertaining to me because that would then detract from everybody else who doesn't want sword fighting in the middle of basketball. So I have a question and I can't believe we're even down this topic right now. So I think it's law that every uh, curb or entrance to a business has to have a uh, a ramp for wheelchairs. Yeah, I think so that's you're, different, though. No, mm, I think that's different. Mm, 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 no, I think that's no, different. No. I think that's shutting out a population from being somewhere because they have mobility issues. So how is that different than shutting out a group of people who can't play a game because they have mobility issues? But you're not saying you can't play. You're literally saying you can't play. You you're can saying still buy it and try to play. You can also still buy your ticket to the to the AMC theater and try to go in. Hmm. I don't know. I there's just something in my ruminated gut that's telling me that this is the way that I'm thinking. But you're making a fine argument. I'm telling you right now, the hot button topic of discussion on the internet is accessibility in games because there are games that do push the envelope one of them being um horizon zero dot uh sorry horizon forbidden west which came out a, a week before elden ring and it has a bajillion different options for accessibility to allow many 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 folks of many different walks of life to be able to play and still get the enjoyment out of it the reason why we talk about Elden Ring and why this is such a hot button sort of conversation point right now is because you know why? I think that, and I'm I'm going to generalize here. It's going to be bad. The folks who obsess over their um their talent, let's say, in Elden Ring, they kind of don't have much else going on. And I feel like at the end of the day, they want this. They want to say... I beat that game, and what that means is I have this golden medal above my head that I can walk for the rest of my life with that says I beat Elden Ring, and I want to keep it that way. I don't want someone else coming in and turning on easy mode and saying the words, I also beat Elden Ring, because then it diminishes that person's success. I mean, you could so argue, I I get what you're saying, and I you can argue this one way or the other, which makes it even more complicated because then you could make the argument that that's what this person thinks and those are the things that they strive for and they really appreciate getting to that point of beating this game that's extremely difficult. If you go along that same line of thinking, then should the requirements for getting a PhD be diminished and then and then, I think the answer is yes to that, to compared to, to then, what your story has been. And then if it's diminished, does it have the same value? And so then you can say 
the barrier for entry into getting a PhD is too high and we want it more accessible and so it should be lowered. But then in that case, is it still a PhD? I would like to argue this is a little bit different because anything we've talked about today is for joy. But for no. En- no, 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 no. But you're it's saying for entertainment. No, but you're saying, yeah, but for the game. But you then compared That's what it. I'm saying. You compared it to entry to a, an establishment in it's, mobility. I'm talking that's about the movie not, theater. No, that's, that's not the same. Because, like, what if you have somebody who has an accessibility issue and they can only, their accessibility issue maybe a mobility issue coupled with only the ability to digest McDonald's fries. And so they're literally. I would like to find that person on the <laughs> whole planet. They're they're, that, that person does not exist. So speak they're in reality. Speak they're in reality. literally. Okay. That's a little bit hyperbolic. But if they have. A little bit. A little bit hyperbolic. If they have a lack of food. Say like they can't get into the supermarket. They can't. They have to go to the bathroom. But they can't get inside the restaurant because of mobility issues. Those are fundamental things that have to be widely accessible to everyone stores purchasing things living in this civilization that we've created being a part of the economy a game is not doesn't have that same okay fair like that requirement and so what i'm saying if you're using that argument of you have to be accessible if you like accessibility and think accessibility needs to be in establishments then you need to take that thought and translate it to games should also be accessible, then I can make the argument that PhDs should be accessible and they shouldn't be as difficult. Okay, totally fair, and I got it. One thing I want to finish up with this line of thinking right now, because we I do want to move on for a sec, is I don't think me or you know enough about this in any capacity to uh, have uh, real stakes in the game for this. Oh, totally. Um, and, and just folks listening, I want you all to know this is our just... Uh, not even ruminated gut opinion, just real. This just is off gut, the cuff. Completely I, off the cuff. Yeah. And uh, I hope that the lesson to take away from this is think about what we're saying and let's make it all a better place for everyone because yeah, it's just a general discussion. Yeah. Total general discussion. A bottom line is I still have not been Elden Ring and I'm big mad McPlant over it. I'm mad at the game. I'm mad at the developers for bringing me down this path of 90 hours. And I feel like I still did not get the satisfaction of getting credits. That is the takeaway here. Um, but moving on, I want to tell you in a short bit of time how much I'm enjoying this other game I'm playing called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Do you know this game? No, that's, I don't even know what words you're saying, and I think I, it's another language. I actually didn't even know what words they were until halfway through playing this game, and then I started hearing them say some of these things, but I want to tell you a little bit about it because it kind of weirdly connects to Moon Knight, which is the other topic I want to talk about. The fact is, there is a really fun, cool game called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim by Atlas. They're the publisher and developer. Uh, they make things like Persona, Persona, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Shin Megami Tensei. And this game is a narrative. This is very not much a game. This is like a book. Is this like a 
uh, Disco Slesium or whatever. No, Disco Elysium. That's a little bit different because you had a lot, almost an overwhelming amount of uh, customization you can do in your gameplay. This is literally, I am starting at chapter one and now I'm going to chapter one, one. Now I'm going to chapter one, two. But then at some point you can't go past one, three because you have to, you have to then jump to chapter two and go to chapter two, one, two, 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 three. Then that will unlock chapter one, four, one, five, one, six. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And there's 13 of these chapters. So 13 chapters, you read them all or experience them all asynchronously. You do what you want, when you want, how you want up until a certain point. And then you're blocked from the story progressing. And the story is so wild about a, a future where, uh, you know what kaiju are? No. Kaiju are, uh, think of Godzilla. Uh-huh. Big monsters. Yeah. Literally that. Like They're Mothra? Just, yeah, Japanese. And like Lizard Man? What's his name? Lizzie? Mm. Uh, is it yeah. Lizzie? No, I have no idea who you're talking about. The Lizard. There's God. Oh, Godzilla is no, the Lizard. Is lizard. <laughs> Who's the one that's the monkey? Oh, Rampage. King Kong, King Kong, King Kong. Yeah, yeah. All of those are kaiju, and th there's a whole sect of movies that are kaiju related, like where it's literally got King Kong, you know, or got or Mothra. Godzilla or Mothra or whatever. And um, you know, at the end of Moon Knight, Mothra. I mean, I don't ever. I've seen Mothra. I just don't think that it's as threatening as the others. So there's a Pokemon called uh, Butterfree who looks like Mothra. Yeah. I never use Butterfree because I feel exactly what you just said. Yeah, it's just, it's not intimidating. And I feel like uh, Godzilla would just, like, zap the tongue and just snap it and eat Mothra. Like, Or, like you know, flick, daylight comes it. and then Mothra is just flying off into space toward mm -hmm. the sun because it's attracted to light. Straight up the end of, Sen in, uh, not Sentinels, uh, the end of that movie, The Eternals, when he's thigh goodbye right out of the planet. Right and went straight the, into the sun. Yeah, right yeah. into the Sorry, sun. Sorry, spoiler alert, but you don't even know what I'm talking about. So I wonder if anyone's even listening at this point. Oh, everybody's listening. This yeah. is a very popular podcast. Five stars. Oh, it's like asynchronously live. They're listening. Mm -hmm. and we're doing it in their ear holes right yep. now. Uh, so anyway, with this game, there's these uh, kaiju that are being uh, piloted by students that came from 1985 they got pulled into the future because those students had some sort of connection to being able to control these Sentinels. And the Sentinels were made by the, the government to go out into planets and, and colonize planets. But what happens? Because the world sucks. It starts, people start destroying the world with those. Think about the it. The new worlds. No, like the, the, the earth. <laughs> Like, they oh. did not go out and do the thing they were supposed to do. They start breaking the earth apart. And so it's up to these students to, like, do this weird fast forward, go backwards, kill these people to stop this from happening. Very kill sort of students Terminator. in 1985? Yeah, or, or, or affect their life so that it stops them from doing whatever. And, there, you know, bottom line is it's a very time traveler t uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles situation terminator where mm -hmm. you have to go back and kill sarah connor because she's going to be the leader of the resistance to sarah to take connor down. chronicles yeah, sarah Cr Croner chronicles <laughs> uh that's what 
this game is like, but the asynchronicity of its storytelling. Is there more than Mothra and Godzilla and King Kong, or is it those just... don't those don't exist? They just call them kaiju because the Sentinels are. But what do they look like? Uh, they look like uh, giant, like teddy bears. Have you ever played that game, Metal Slug? No, it's an old two D like pixel gym. Maybe I mean loosely. Gunstar Heroes. You ever play that? No. It's a. Uh, they're like tanks that walk, like mech suits, but they're huge. Oh, I would say like transformers. Yeah, but you, someone pilots Decepticons. Them. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the Decepticons that take over the planet. Yeah, and so that's. Uh, they're huge, and so the fights happen with like as a, a building fighting a building. Mm. You know what I mean? It's wild. I hate it when that. Uh, what I want to say about this to sort of finalize my discussion of this game that I'm enjoying this week is I think that video games have such an important place for storytelling because unlike a book, unlike a movie or a TV show, the fact that you come into this storytelling as a part of it where you choose something kind of like a choose your own adventure, the fact that you participate in the storytelling separates that completely from a book or a TV show or a movie in a pretty serious way. And I feel like games get a bad rap in general for, I don't know, for many things. And they do I think not. Because historically, that's what people had drilled into their heads. And for people sure. can't think critically and say, like, oh, maybe this is actually a nice medium for. For, for storytelling, exactly. Expression. And that's, oh, and speaking of the game, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. Um, that is that. What have we played, uh, lastly, and I do actually want to touch upon Moon Knight, but what have we been playing recently? We've been playing Core Keeper, and I want to talk about it, but I think I want to, like, maybe talk about it on the next episode because I think it's just, like, a lot to dissect, and it's really Do a good. little high-level overview. Real high-level. Just to introduce for the next episode, it's a... Uh, a uh, top-down um, pixel art type game where you do crafting and fight enemies. It's a little bit you know like who makes it? Valheim. No, I don't know. Um, it's an early access game on Steam. It's thirteen dollars, and it's just really fun. Um, Hugstorm. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's nice about early access is this is a well-formed early access game, but. Um, I what's exciting is that there's more to come. Like we're early in the access, and so we're going to we're early get... in the access. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more. Uh, maybe not the next time because the next time I think we're going to be talking deep dive with Star Wars with OG Steve. Uh, if all works out for us to do that, so maybe the following time we'll do that. Okay. Um, but finally, tell me what you thought. We don't have to deep dive, but what were your room? In, now it's happened. What is your ruminated gut telling you about what the Moon Knight finale was like? Spoiler alerts, folks. Uh, um, you don't have to summarize. Just tell me what you felt, what you thought. Conflict. I was conflicted, I think. Mm-hmm. It felt a little unfinished, considering how polished everything else was in, in the lead-up to it. I couldn't agree more. I read somewhere, um, I think it was on IGN, after it aired, that... It's rare that you want a miniseries to be longer. Like one of the biggest criticisms for a miniseries is that it's too long. And if you shaved away the badness, you're left with something really good. Yeah. And I think with this, there were so many things that could have been elaborated upon as it went on. And speaking of Kaiju, you realize that the end, the fight with um, 
why am I drawing a blank on the name? His avatars. Katsopolis. Mm-hmm. Katsopolis and Aminata. Yeah. You know how they were fighting? Yeah. Amaretto and Katsopolis. Uh, sorry, Amaretto. Uh, Amaretto and Katsopolis were fighting. Those were kaiju fighting. Yeah. While the avatars of them were also fighting, mm-hmm. which I have to say visually was very striking. Yeah. It looked very cool. And Some, I also, I love the Egyptian setting. I think it's, and like, it's really, really like Egyptian, like, uh, history is so interesting. And I love that setting that, uh, the, um, the religious aspect of like ancient Egypt and the gods and all of that, I think is really pharaohs, all super interesting. Absolutely fascinating. And I think they actually did a really good job, not just from my own, like, you know, limited understanding of, of it, but I think pretty uh, critically they did a good job of, of representing that. Like, I think accurate. that well, accurate. As accurate. It, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. I'm sure the bajillion things that are wrong. Feeding into the culture, not mm. going against it. Yeah. Um, but I agree with Chris. I feel very conflicted. I will not say that I'm conflicted about Oscar Isaac. Mm-mm. No, folks. He is he's the bee's knees. Yeah, he's the, the honeybees. And he's a fantastic actor. <laughs> oh, you had something going there that didn't ruminate. He is the... <laughs> Honeybee in my tea. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, with that, we are going to head out. Uh, Thanks, folks, for tuning in to another episode of the Airstreamers podcast. And stay tuned for some more. And we hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you're uh, enjoying throughout your week. Uh, See ya. Bye, folks. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 